Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. So we're going to roll straight into part one. We're going to waste no time. We're going to get straight down to the brass tacks. Uh, starting over in Australia, this one happened last week. Former world champion Vic Darchinian, 42 wins, 9 losses and 1 draw. Um, he was actually supposed to face an opponent from Thailand. Uh, it turned out that on the night, that opponent basically didn't show up. So another guy got in the ring. And it's very bizarre. But... Um, the, no one seems to know who the guy was because it's gone down as an unknown name but the fight went ahead and Vic Darchinian knocked the person out in round one so it genuinely could have been a cab driver it genuinely could have been someone in the crowd who knows what went down in the metro city in Northbridge, Western Australia so uh, Vic Darchinian with a win there but um, yeah, certainly bizarre stuff going down in in you know in in the outback um moving over now to Japan Tomoki Kamida was on this bill 32 and 2 going into this fight obviously those two losses to Jamie McDonnell he picked up a win in his 35th career outing so his record now 33 and 2 a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds for him also on this bill Hisashi Amagasa uh, he moved to his 32nd professional win of course, he's got the six losses and the two draws. It was a close one. It was a majority decision win for him over eight rounds. His opponent, Kinshiro Usui, who had a record of 27-4, and four, now 27-5. and five. So Amagasa, very, very uh, close fight, that one. That's it for Japan. Moving over now to the UK, the Waterfront Hall, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Uh, we're going to start with a couple of fights on the undercard. Um, Declan Geraghty was upset on this bill. He got knocked out or TKO'd in round six. Geraghty was down also in the second round. His opponent, James Tennyson. It was a bit of a 50-50 going into it. Uh, Declan Geraghty, 14-1. and one. James Tennyson, 17-2. and two. But James Tennyson was the victor. Uh, Tyrone McKenna was also on the bill. He picked up his 13th career win with a TKO in round six. Uh, Con Sheehan was on the bill. Obviously, he's the guy that was, uh, or is, I should say, um, you know, trained by Peter Fury. He picked up a points win over eight rounds at heavyweight, so he's now 5-0. and uh, Marco McCulloch, as well, picked up a win, a points win over eight rounds. Uh, big Sexy Sean Turner moved to double figures. He's now 10-0 and with a KO in round two. Gary Corcoran picked up his 16th career win. His record now 16-1 and with a TKO in round five over James Gorman. Paddy Barnes in what he called his second debut because he wasn't too happy with the first one and the way it went down. He moved to 2-0 and with a points win over six rounds for him. 
he was a six rounder as well so it's good to see that in just his second fight he's looking to definitely waste no time uh, Phil Sutcliffe Jr. was also on that bill as well he picked up his 13th career win with a TKO in round four you know his opponent's corner threw in the towel and the main event Jamie Conlon 18-0 and taking on Yada. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Yada Cardoza, who had a record of 22 and 10 with one draw. You know, not 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 the the greatest record in the world. We weren't too sure what he was going to bring to the table. But Cardoza's a lot tougher than his record suggests. And Jamie Conlon, we know he's a good fighter. He's a good boxer, but again, he just seems to forget about any tactics. He likes to go in there and have a fight. Uh, he seems to switch off a little bit during some of those mid-rounds. So Colin was actually down in the 8th round and he was cut above the eye in the 10th round. But he managed to win a split decision over 12 rounds. So obviously his brother Michael Conlon, who's fighting this weekend, you know, he would have breathed a sigh of relief because... Uh, it was it was definitely touchy stuff and it was it was very close. But Jamie Conlon, he just seems to he's he's a great fighter to watch. If you like to see, you know, if the casual boxing fans like to see a good tear up, definitely watch Jamie Conlon. He's always in fight of the year contenders, but it's not the clever way to go about business. It really isn't, especially when you're the superior boxer of the two. Uh, that's it for Belfast. Going over now to the MGM Grand in Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, USA. Um, one fight to mention over here, it's a female, Clarissa Shields, obviously the two-time Olympic champion, two-time gold medalist. She picked up the vacant NABF female middleweight title in just her second pro fight here, so she's now 2-0. She picked up a TKO in round four. It was scheduled for six two-minute rounds, but she didn't need that. Great win there for Clarissa Shields. Uh, that's it for Detroit. Moving over now to Philadelphia. One fight to mention over here. Heavyweight prospect. He's going under the radar, but I tell you what, he's going to be in some big fights in the coming the coming few months, I believe. The coming, maybe the next 18 months or so. Cassius Cheney. He moved to 9-0, and that is a name that people are going to know about. It was uh, it was a majority decision win over six rounds, so a little bit closer than he would have liked. But believe me, Cassius Cheney's a good fighter. That one was from the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. I'm not quite sure what they call it, but a good win for him. Going over now to Australia, former world champion Michael Katsidis, if you want to call him a former world champion, he picked up a unanimous decision win over eight rounds against Josh King. So Michael Katsidis now 32-7. and seven. Of course, he was penalised one point for a low blow during that fight as well but still managed to win unanimously over eight um that's it for australia moving over now to germany uh, we're going to start with one fight or two fights on the undercard gamal yafai picked up his 11th career win a six round unanimous decision for him good experience there to, to pick up a win on the road and also a prospect that a lot of people are talking about in the super middleweight division leon bauer he's only young he uh, he he moved to 11 and 0 of course with a win over 10 rounds unanimously his opponent was 10 and 1 with one draw so a good win there for Leon Bauer and of course the main event Jack Kulkai 22 and 1 defending his WBA World Super Welterweight title against Demetrius Andrade now Demetrius Andrade obviously 23 and 0 we know that he's a former world champion we know that he oozes class when he shows up he's been a little bit inactive but um, he went over there to Germany. It was all against him. And, of course, 
he did the business. It was it was shown on TV. It was shown on Sky Sports. I was watching it. He didn't really look himself, in all honesty, but he still got the job done. But I think a lot of those rounds were very, very hard to score. I was a little bit worried about some hometown um, scoring, possibly, in that fight, especially when it got to the final round. It was a split decision win for Demetrius Andrade, but... Um, it definitely wasn't a split decision. It was definitely a really dodgy scorecard that one of the judges handed in there. Um, you know, for, for, for me, I believe Jack Kulkai was a lot better than I gave him credit for going into the fight. I don't know if that was because Andre perhaps didn't perform to my expectations, but we will be speaking to Demetrius Andrade very, very shortly. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure we're going to talk more about that fight. But he's a new WBA World Super Welterweight Champion with a record of 24-0. and 0. And Jack Kulkai, he'll come again. He, he showed... Um, you know, he showed up in the fight, he came to win, and he gave a good account of himself, to be completely honest, against a guy who arguably is an elite fighter, Demetrius Andrade. So, Jack Kulkai now, 22-2. and two. Uh, That's it for Germany. Moving over now to Africa. We're going to go over to Ghana. Uh, one fight to mention over here, Richard Comey, 24-2. and two. He's known as a knockout artist. He was fighting for the vacant WBC International Silver Lightweight title against Heidi Slimani, who had a record of 26-2. and I mean, it captured a lot of attention over in Ghana. A lot of people were very excited for this one. Uh, a lot of people, really, I saw some guys going with Soleimani to win this. I didn't really see how you could say that. But Komi was actually cut over the left eye in round six. Uh, Soleimani was also cut in round seven, so it was a little bit scrappy. It went down as a win for Richard Komi. So his record now 25-2. and two. It was unanimous over 12 rounds. So Richard Comey, known as a big knockout artist, a big puncher, which he is, but he's actually gone the distance in his last three fights. So in his last three fights, he's gone 36 rounds, losing two of those fights by split decision. He had a very unlucky year last year, but he's definitely a fighter with potential. He's the new WBC International Silver Lightweight Champion, as I said. So all the best to Richard Comey. That one was from the Buckham Box. In Arena in Accra, Ghana. Moving over now to a fight that went under the radar definitely. It was over in the Metroplex, Little Rock, Arkansas, USA. Um, I think it's going to shock a lot of people when I say this, but we saw him say he was retired. He walked away from boxing for a while in 2015. He's been inactive since losing to Anthony Joshua when he was stopped for the first time in his career. It is, of course, KJ, the kingpin, Kevin Johnson, he returned to action and picked up his 30th career win. So his record's now 30-7 and seven with one draw. It was a unanimous decision win over six rounds. His opponent, Jamal Woods, with a record of 11-32, and 32, now 11-33. and 33. Of course, he's also got six draws. But a six-round fight there and a good win there for Kevin Johnson. Uh, to be honest, I think really and truly, I don't really see if he's got much to offer. We know he's quite durable, but that period of inactivity I can't really see him coming back as a major threat to anyone. So um, we'll definitely stay tuned. He's a colourful character and we wish him all the best, to be honest. But that's it from Arkansas. Moving over now to the last fight card we've got for you in the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in New York, USA. We're going to start with a couple of fights on the undercard. Diego De La Hoya moved to 17-0 with a points win unanimously over eight rounds against Roberto Puchetta. So a good win there for Diego De La Hoya. Also on the undercard, 
I'm probably saying his name wrong, but his name, I believe, is Eves Oos Jr. I think that's Eves Oos Jr. I'm not too sure if I've got that right, but he was 12-0 going into his fight against Zachary Ochoa, who had a record of 16-0. It was for the vacant NABF Junior Super Lightweight title. A bit confusing, that. But, um, you know, it was a bit one-sided, to be honest. Ochoa being what I thought would have probably been the favourite, but maybe I was a little bit wrong. He went in there, he didn't really win a round. He was getting beaten um, beaten up a little bit, to be honest. He was marked up over both eyes, or under both eyes, I should say. He was in a lot of trouble, really. But he showed his guts, he showed his heart, and I'm sure he can come again. But I wish him all the best, Zachary Choa. But uh, it just wasn't to be his night, so he's now 16-1. and And his opponent looked very, very good, by the way. He's 13-0. and It went down as a retirement. It was actually Choa's corner that stopped the fight, I believe it was definitely the right choice, that was at the end of round 7, so he didn't come out for round 8, the final card to mention, so he didn't come out for round 8, the final fight to mention on this undercard, Uriokis Gamboa returning to the ring, his record 25-1, and one. he fought Rene Alvarado, Gamboa was actually down in round 10, so that was a bit, uh, you know, that was a bit worrying to be honest, but Rene Alvarado, uh, you know, he put up a decent fight, to be honest, but Gambar, really, the more skilled, the more experienced man in there, you could pretty much see that. Um, I think Gambar didn't look too great going into the last couple of rounds, so I've got to be honest, but Gamboa now 26-1, and Rene Alvarado 24-8, and and the main event, of course, for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Middleweight title, I believe it was also for the WBC Continental Middleweight title, um, David Lemieux, 36 and 3. Curtis Stevens, 29 and 5. Both men can bang. Both men were knocked out by uh, Gennady Golovkin, who's obviously fighting just this week. We'll be talking about that very shortly. David Lemieux, I always saw as the better fighter out of the two. I thought he was going to probably win that fight by a stoppage. And I'm not just trying to sound like an expert, but David Lemieux's been on that world level. Uh, you know, he put up a decent account against Golovkin, so did Curtis Stevens in all honesty, but Lemieux's power seemed to be a little bit too much for Curtis Stevens, Uh, Lemieux started pretty fast, he started the first round coming out, throwing bombs, it was good to watch, Curtis Stevens seemed to claw it a little bit back in the third round, but then that was that, he got hit with a left hook and he was out, it wasn't very nice to see. It was a little bit worrying. He was down for quite a while. People, you know, people were going on Twitter and laughing. I'm not really in agreement with that, but a real, real, real statement there for Lemieux. He got rid of Curtis Stevens in brutal fashion. So David Lemieux now 37 and free with a KO in round three. What a knockout. Some people already call him for knockout of the year, but it's very, very soon. We're only in March. Curtis Stevens now 29 and 6. All the best to both men, though. Both guys are credit to the sport. But that's really it for the reviewing. We've done all the reviewing. We've done all the talking for last week's action. The last thing to do before we end part one, we tried to whiz through it as quick as we could. It's, of course, to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO light middleweight world champion. And on Saturday night, he became the new WBA light middleweight world champion. It's, of course, Mr. Demetrius Andrade. Demetrius, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And from now on, when you introduce me, make sure you add tall, black, and handsome. 
<laughs> of course, man, I will. I definitely will for next time. Now, Demetrius, um, obviously you were in Germany on the weekend. Um, now, I believe that you're in Paris. What's the reason behind that? Um, you know, being well-traveled, you know, experiencing the world. God put this beautiful earth together, and I want to experience every part of it. And we're here in Paris right now, enjoying uh, victory and, and enjoying, you know, peace of mind and knowing what this world has to offer. Good, good stuff, man. I've been over there a couple of times myself. It's a very nice city. Uh, Demetrius, now the first real question I want to speak to you about... You were over there in Germany. Uh, I can't pronounce the venue or anything, but you took on the WBA world champion, Jack Kalkai. Firstly, Demetrius, my opening question really is, how do you rate your performance out of 10 on Saturday night? Um, I haven't um, actually seen round one from round 12 yet. I've seen um, round 6 to 12, half of it, um, after the fight. So I didn't um, get the, a chance to see the whole thing to see what it looked like on TV. But me being inside the fight as myself and, you know, at the end of the day, all I could tell people is I had a lot against me. Um, I don't really want to get all into details, but just know that I did the best that I can and I came out victorious and I, I had fun at the same time and I learned um, a lot about myself in these, um, these treacherous times right now. Well, I can give a little detail as far as the time, you know, rehydration, food, um, you know, this is, I don't eat pork, so there's a lot of pork serving country, and they just didn't have what I need to, you know, rehydrate myself, so I think in this fight, I learned that, and everybody else, I hope they seen that at the end of the day, the dog came out, and the dog was the one that um, fought this fight. And obviously, you walked out there. I saw the ring walk. You walked out dancing. Uh, the entire crowd were just frozen. It looked a little bit hostile. You got in there. You did the job. How did it feel in there, Demetrius, from the inside of the ring? What did you make of the fight? What did you think when, when they said it was a split decision as well? Uh, despite the language barrier, we kind of knew when they were reading out the judges' scorecards before saying if it was unanimous or what. What was you thinking at that moment as well? Um, I've been here before. I've been here when I fought Vonis Malagosian on his um, promotion company top top rank, I believe, at that time. Uh, I believe I beat him every single round. The only round that they would have gave him was the first round when he um, hit me with a flash knockdown. I got right back up, but I was winning that round, and I was like, I've been here before. They gave him they gave him one round. I mean, they, one judge gave it to him, the other judge gave it to him. Gave it to me, but at the end of the day, I knew that I blocked a lot of punches. I slipped a lot of punches, and when I threw the punches that I knew that I was going to land and be clean, the judges seen it. You know, that's one thing I know how to do through the through the amateur program and traveling the whole wide world and fighting all over the world, the countries that which clean shots and how to land them clean shots so the judges can see them. And that's what I was doing. I was making sure that whatever combinations that I throw at least two, three shots was clean enough for the judges to see. And on his end, I was doing everything that was ugly enough. So it didn't look like he hit me clean. And if he did touch me, it was like little tiny shots, like love taps, what I'm going to call them. 
Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you. What did you actually make of the atmosphere? As I say, it was a little bit hostile. It was the first time you've travelled as a professional. What did you make of the experience going out to Germany? I mean, it was the same, you know. Um, I've been travelling. I've been everywhere. Budapest, Hungary, Moscow. I, I mean, I keep going on. And it's the same atmosphere every time I touch a different soil. They're going to... And, you know, that's vice versa. It's going to be the same way if he would have came there. Like, they're going to root for the hometown favorites. I expected that. And whenever I landed clean shots, they're going to not, you know, hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. But at the end of the day, I gave them action. I gave them enough to be like, wow, this kid is really, you know, he really came out here and they put on a great performance. How can I say boo or not applause this kid Demetrius Andrade? Um for not coming out here and giving us all. Before the fight, after the fight, I, I definitely got Germany, um, Germany fans. They was coming up to me, wanted to take pictures, autograph. People wanted to buy my shorts, buy my gloves, buy my, like, it was, it was, it was great as overall. But, you know, as far as, um, let me say, the, what was it, the money, the odds, the, the bookies, you know, they was ah, for Germany because they like the 20 to 1 odds. <laughs> so, I ain't mad at them. I would have no. done the same thing. I'm like, shit, I, I, I'm trying to put this money on Jack Coke. Shit, if he wins, I'm, we going to make a fortune. So, we gonna, we going to hurrah and hooray even if he misses. Yeah, of course, of course. And my last question about the about the about that actual fight. Obviously, you fought him in the amateurs. You got a win over him. Was he a completely different fighter back then, or does he still do much of the same thing? Um, see, that's something I can't, you know, really respond or comment to because I fought a lot of people in the amateurs. I don't remember that Coke um, fight him, but um, you know, it probably was the same thing for for me. I was younger, I was slimmer, I didn't have, you know, as much power, uh, as much IQ as I had now, and the will and the ability to go 12 rounds, it was just a four-round fight, so we just giving it our all in that, that amount of time frame, but um, I would definitely take this fight as a great experience, and Jack Coquet definitely was a good champion, he'll still be able to you know, his stocks definitely went up, and he'll still be able to get great fights. I don't know what he would do with other top guys at the 154-pound weight division, but he's definitely not no walkover. Yeah, I think he proved that as well. I think he, he did put up a decent fight despite losing uh, pretty clearly. Um, I want to go back a, a little bit now, Demetrius. Uh, there was a period of inactivity for yourself after beating one of our men, actually, Brian Rose. You know, a lot of people are not too sure why, uh, you know, why the inactivity. What is the actual reason behind that, if you can say, Demetrius? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to say. You can go numerous ways. You, know, you could say Rock Nation. You could say besides Rock Nation, the promotion should still have made something happen off TV, on TV, whatever. But um, you just you just don't know. You never know what the other side of the story is. There's always two sides to the story. At the end of the day, I look at it as like I'm, I am a factor in 154 weight class division and without me, that weight class isn't as special as it could be, and that the people want to see Demetrius Andre fight the best because there's nobody else out there that they really want to see fight other opponents. Okay. 
And I know that you're a confident fighter. I know that you're you're one of the elite fighters in, in what is a very talent-packed division at, at super welterweight or junior middleweight, whatever you want to call it. Who do you see as the top three guys in your division aside from yourself? I mean, if we're talking about um, you know somebody that's a star, have the popularity, over talking about boxing skills is I think it's two different things in the business. As far as the business, Canelo. As far as like the better boxer, Laura. Um, so there you go. So you see Laura as the number one man aside from yourself in the division? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he proved in four top guys. He got good victories. Um, you know, even when he fought Paul Williams, he definitely won that fight. I'm wanting to say that. When he fought Canelo, I thought, you know, he did what he had to do to, to beat Canelo. Um, like I said, there's the business and then there's real, real fight. There's real, um, the real pure winner. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't want to go against boxing or go against the business because, you know, that's what pays the bills. But, you know, they're, they're, they're separate at the same time. Yeah, I understand that. Um, and obviously, I know that you've only just become a world champion again and it's still very fresh. Two times. Two-time world champion, of course. Hey, I said I said you would become world champion again. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Obviously, it's still very fresh. But um, have you got your eye on anyone or, or, you know, anyone in the division? Do you know what's next for you at this stage? Yeah, um, I'm willing to fight them all, man. I'm not, I'm not scared of anybody. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, what's the worst that can happen? It's a fight. That's the worst that can happen is that we're in a fight. So... Um, we're going to go back to the drawing board and see who is willing to get in the ring with me and if it makes sense. Because, you know, there's there's probably guys out there that, you know, that are not well-known names. But I fight them, I fight them, I fight them to become somebody. But uh, we don't want that. We want to fight somebody that's well-known and the people want to see as far as boxing fans and something that we can get outside boxing fans to tune into because it's two of the best at it at their best. Okay, well said. And Demetrius, just before I let you go, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to to send any kind of message to your UK fans. You've got a lot of guys in the UK that are behind you and and big fans of yourself. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you guys. I love how, you know, any UK fighter that comes and fight, you guys are there to support them. And when you guys find somebody outside the UK that you guys support... You're there, you're flying out to the other fights, and I appreciate that. And I would love to have a fight in the UK and give them my appreciation, and that will be my token to them. Listen, Demetrius, if you ever came over here, we'd welcome you with open arms. Listen, it's been a pleasure speaking with a true champion and an elite fighter like yourself. Thank you for giving us a piece of your time, and no doubt we'll speak again soon, my brother. Thank you, God bless, and continue to keep making this sport hot. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. We're going to start with this week's news. Ayaz has got the news ready for us, so Ayaz, bring in the first piece of news. Yep. Kawio Fai will put his WBA World Super Flyweight title on the line against Suguru Moranka at the Barclay Card Centre on May 13th. Yes, obviously, you know, Kawio Fai winning his world title in brutal fashion, in really good fashion. He looked a million dollars, to be honest. Um, you know, it's going to be exciting to see his first defense of the title. I'm glad it's over in Birmingham because, um, you know, Birmingham, there's a few talented boxers from Birmingham, but it doesn't really get the love 
that I think it deserves. So it's good to finally see that happening, and I'm excited to watch that fight because I think Cal Yafai is a phenomenal young fighter. Sam Eggington will take on Spain's Seferino Rodriguez for the European welterweight title. Yeah, it's good to see Sam Eggington get a shot at the European title. It's... um... You know, he's just on fire at the minute, Sam Eggington. A great stoppage win just a couple of weeks ago against Paulie Malinagi. Um, You know, I think they're friends now. I think they actually went out to dinner earlier this week, so it's good to see that great sportsmanship. But Sam Eggington's a young guy. He's a nice guy. We've had him on the show. We wish him all the best. And um, again, it's great. It's great for Birmingham. It really is. And uh, I'm looking forward to him. You know, I'm looking forward to his future. I'm looking forward to this fight. I think he, he can win this fight. And who knows? You know, he walked into the gym one day and said, listen, I just want to I just want to fight even if I become a journeyman. And now we're seeing him fight for the European title. We've seen him knock out a, a, a former two-time or two-weight world champion in Paulie Malinagi. And there's no stopping Sam Eggington. He's a wrecking ball. Gamal fight will finally take on British super bantamweight rival Sean Davis after their first fight on October 12th was called off after he suffered an ankle ligament damage in a freak gym accident. Yeah, obviously, Gamal Yafai fought earlier this week. Um, you know, just last week, I should say. And, you know, he got a win on the road, as I said, over in Germany. And we were supposed to see this fight, but we didn't see it. But it's good to see that it's been rescheduled. Some fights just never get rescheduled. They seem to just run away. And, uh, you know, you forget about them kind of thing. But it's good to see this fight finally taking place. Any more news for us, Ayers? Yes. Finally, Lawrence Acoli will make his debut on the Crawler Lenares undercard on March 25th by taking on Russell Henshaw. Yes, Russell Henshaw is a guy that Isaac Chamberlain fought. Um, I believe I don't. It might have been last year. It might have been early last year, if I'm not mistaken. But basically, he put up a decent fight against Isaac Chamberlain, and I believe it was maybe Isaac's maybe fourth or fifth fight. No, maybe not his fifth. It might have been his fourth fight or something like that. So Lawrence Acoli's jumping straight in there. They're both in the same weight division. They're both with the same uh, promotional stable. So. Really, it's just a measuring stick kind of fight. I think if he gets in there and blows Russ Henshaw out, then obviously it makes a statement. But that's about it, really. But um, it's good to see him, obviously, turning pro, finally. He's on a big, big, big stage on his first fight as a pro. And we wish him all the best. He, you know, he'd done us proud in the in the Olympics in Rio. And, of course, we're very excited to see what his pro career will consist of. Is that it for the news, Ayers? Yes, that's it. Okay, thank you very much, Ayers. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start with Friday the 17th of March. This Friday, uh, one fight to mention at the Social Club and Deportivo El Porvenir. This one's over in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Brother of Marcos Maidana, Fabian Maidana. He's 11-0. He's taking on Elias Leandro Vallejos, who has a record of 20-6 with one draw. So Fabian Maidana, uh, obviously, as I said, 11-0. He's in a 10-rounder here. He's at welterweight. Um, Fabian Maidana, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually creeped into, I believe, he's creeped into the top 15 of one of the sanctioning bodies if I'm not mistaken he actually has so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there but obviously we're going to be paying attention purely because he's the brother of Marcos Maidana but he's a good fighter as well and he can bang 
There's a little thing about Argentinian fighters. They can bang. But that's it for Argentina. Moving over now to the Melbourne Pavilion in Flemington, Australia. Uh, two fights to mention over here. Firstly, on the undercard, Joel Brunker, 30-2. and two. He's in a six-rounder at Super Featherweight against Jason Butar-Butar, who has a record of 24-21 and 21 with one draw. And the main event, Zach Dunn, 23-0. He's in a 12-rounder putting his Commonwealth super middleweight title on the line against David Brophy. Obviously, David Brophy from Scotland, 18-1 with one draw. David Brophy was the guy that lost to George Groves. George Groves stopped him. I think it might have even been on the Charles Martin and Anthony Joshua undercard, if I'm not mistaken. I may have that completely wrong. But, yeah, he was stopped by George Groves. That's his only loss. So it's an interesting fight. Zach Dunn, 23-0, undefeated. And uh, we'll have to wait to see what happens there. But that's it for Australia. Moving over now to York Hall. It's called The Next Generation. This is what this little uh, promotional thing is. It's obviously Matchroom Sports Prospects. And um, they're calling it a next-gen show. I think they're planning to have a few of these every year. It's basically, you know, the prospects that uh, the next generation. It's as simple as that. It's self-explanatory, really. Um, we're going to start... Well, we're we actually going to read out all the guys. Because that's what we do on this show. We like to give a little bit of exposure to the guys who's only had one fight. To some of the guys who are making their debut. And I believe that these next generation of fighters all deserve a mention here. So, uh, starting down the card, Danny Dignam, 1-0. He's in a four-round fight against Ian Jackson. Um, Jake Ball returning to action, of course, coming off that knockout loss. I remember being there ringside just the back end of last year. And it was a brutal, brutal knockout. So, Jake Ball... His record now 7-1. and one. His opponent yet to be announced. It's a six-rounder at light heavyweight. Isaac Chamberlain's on the bill. He's 6-0 and oh at the moment. His opponent yet to be announced. It's a 10-rounder at cruiserweight. Uh, Felix Cash on this bill as well. His record 4-0. and oh. He's taking on Jay Byrne, who's got a record of 4-0. and oh. It's interesting. They're both 4-0. and oh. They both made their debut on the same night. So uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, they've both been pretty much as active as each other. As I say, they both made their debut on the same night, but in different uh, different places. And they're both fighting again on the same night against each other. So a six-rounder there at middleweight. Uh, Paul Highland Jr. is on the bill. He's record 14-0 at the minute. He takes on Peter Cope, who has a record of 14-3. Uh, that's an eight-rounder at lightweight. Ben Hall, 9-1 with one draw. He's coming back from that loss to Carson Jones on the same night as the Jake Ball loss. So I'm, I'm happy to, to see him back in the ring. He's a nice guy. We've got a lot of love for Ben Hall. Um, he was very confident going in there against Carson Jones, and it didn't work out for him. But he's a brave, brave guy, and we wish him all the best. He's in there against Ryan Toms, who has a record of 14-14 and 14 with three draws. Alan Higgins is also on the bill. He's record 12-0. and 0. He's the champion in this fight. He's putting his Southern Area Super Middleweight title on the line against Craig Richards. Craig Richards 7-0. and 0. Um, Again, you know, may the best man win. Both men undefeated. Somebody's O's got to go. Craig Richards being the guy who I'm going to side with because he's a friend of the show. And um, it's going to be interesting because Alan Higgins does not know how to lose. And the main event, I believe it's the main event anyway, Reese Belletti, again, a nice guy, a guy that, um, 
you know, he gave up his seat for Arge from Towie, which was quite interesting when I last saw him. Uh, despite just having a fight about 10 minutes before, he came out, took his seat, and Arge ended up switching seats with him. We like Reese Belletti. He's 8 0 at the moment. He's in a 10 rounder against Dyer Davis, who has a record of 14 and 24 with two draws. So Reese Belletti should get the business done here. And that's it for York Hall. The best of luck. Seriously, the best of luck to all of the youngsters, all the prospects on that bill. We wish you all the very best. Moving over now to Madison Square Gardens, New York, USA. Uh, I believe there's one fight to mention on this card. Of course, it's the debut of Michael Conlon, brother of Jamie Conlon that we spoke about um, at the Madison Square Garden, he's actually up in lights, so that's brilliant. He's getting so much exposure for a man making his debut. It's absolutely unbelievable. Great to see. He starts off in a six-rounder at Super Bantamweight against Tim Ibarra, who has a record of 4-4. Four and four. So all the best to Michael Conlon. We know what he thought of the Rio 2016. We like Michael Conlon. We truly do. That's it for New York. Moving over now to the Santander Arena in Redding, Pennsylvania. A couple of good fights on this bill. We're going to start with the undercard. Steve Cunningham, former cruiserweight king. He obviously was up at heavyweight. He's now back down at cruiserweight for this one. It's an eight-rounder. His record, 28-8 and eight with one draw. He takes on Felipe Romero, who has a record of 19-11 and 11 with one draw. It doesn't sound great. And I had a little look at Felipe Romero's record, and it was quite staggering. So he's got 11 losses. He's He's got eight of those losses by knockout. Um, he's took on David Benavides, who's obviously you know a prospect that's looking really good. He was stopped by him. He fought the guy called Dimitri Bivol. He's the, uh, I believe he's the Eastern European guy. He's unbeaten at the minute. He's, I think he's even picked up a, a piece of silverware already. I think he might even have an interim belt or something. So that's two good losses there. Uh, he also fought Alexander Usyk in Usyk's debut. He was stopped in that one. He shared the ring as well with Alex Leopai. He lost that one as well. He also shared the ring with uh, Christoph Glowacki, former WBO Cruiserweight World Champion, and Matthias Masternek. So he's really, really mixed it at some crazy level. But uh, Steve Cunningham, it's going to be interesting to see what he's got left at this part of his career. It's an eight-rounder at Cruiserweight, as I say. And we wish Steve USS Cunningham all the best in this fight. Also, former world champion Kermit Sintron's on this bill. His record 39-5 and with two draws. I can't believe he's still fighting. He's in there against David Grayton, who has a record of 15-1. and So when you see a record like 15-1... and it's not to be overlooked. When you see a record like 39-5 and five with two draws and obviously Kermit Sintron getting on in age, this could be one of those change-in-hand fights where uh, there's nothing really to change hands in terms of silverware, but this really could be one of those fights that puts lights out for a man like Kermit Sintron. It's a 10-rounder at super welterweight. And the main event, Travis Kaufman fighting for the vacant WBC United States heavyweight title against Amir Mansour. It's a 12-rounder. Of course, we had Travis Kaufman on the show a couple of times, but we had him on uh, a couple weeks back. I believe it was maybe three weeks back, talking about this fight. We've got a lot of love for Travis Kaufman. His record 31-1, and and a lot of people think he was very unlucky to lose that fight to Chris Ariola. It was definitely a close one. And Amir Mansour, 22-2 and with one draw. Um, Travis Kaufman opened up about the aspiring session. It's definitely going to be a good fight. I cannot wait to see that one. I cannot wait to see who wins. And it's a big future 
future for the winner and it's a bad 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 future for the loser but uh, I'm definitely riding with Travis Kaufman on this one. That's it for Pennsylvania. Moving over now to a fight happening in Denmark. It's for the EBU European featherweight title. It's a friend of the show, Isaac Lowe. He's going out to Denmark, or he's already out to Denmark, I should say. His record 13-0 with one draw. We had him on the show a couple of weeks back again talking about his fight. He's facing the champion... Dennis Seelan, who has a record of 18-0 and one draw, 12-rounder at featherweight this one, and uh, we wish Isaac Lowe all the best of luck, he's very, very confident, uh, Dennis Seelan seems like a decent guy, but there's a little bit of bad blood there, uh, you know, Isaac Lowe, we know what he's like, he's, he's a bit like a, I don't know, he's a bit like a dog in a cage, kind of, a dog in a bath, I should say, he's, uh, he likes to go a little bit wild sometimes, but we got a lot of love for Isaac Lowe, and we hope he can go and do the business and bring that belt back to the UK, so all the best of luck to Isaac Lowe, again, both men undefeated, may the best man win, uh, that's it for Denmark, going over now to Germany, another interesting fight on this bill, uh, the main event I'm going to start with here, Erkan Tepper, 16-1, and he takes on Marius Wack, 32 Two and two, I believe that's a brilliant fight. I'd like to see fights like that. Uh, obviously, Erkan Tepper, he's been caught cheating before. He's been caught cheating with illegal substances. Marius Wack, he's got such a brilliant chin. So that's definitely a good, good fight. I'm not sure how many rounds that one is, but it doesn't actually say it. But um, that's all I've got for that one. And also on that undercard, Robert Stieglitz putting his EBU European light heavyweight title on the line against Nikola Svetlocker who has a record of 32-4. and four. Callum Smith done a proper job on him. Robert Stieglitz, 50 wins, 5 losses and 1 draw. A good fight there for the undercard over in Germany at the Arena Leipzig. And that's enough of my pronunciations. Moving over now to Sweden. One fight to mention over here. Adrian Granat, who has a record of 14-0. and 0. And Adrian Granat is a good fighter, by the way. He really, really is. He is putting his IBF international heavyweight title on the line against Alexander Dimitrenko, who has a record of 39-3. and 3. It's a 12-rounder heavyweight. Granat is on the up. He's a good fighter. He's a serious prospect. He's going to be a big name very, very soon. He's already a big name in Sweden. Dimitrenko... Well, he's been there, done that. He hasn't really... When he's kind of moved up in level, he's come unstuck. And it's going to be a really good measuring stick here, this fight. So I'm intrigued to see who wins. Uh, that's it for Sweden. There's fights absolutely everywhere. It's such a mad weekend of boxing. This one's over in the Silence Hotel in Istanbul, Turkey. You've got to be very quiet when you go to this venue. Uh, the top of the bill. Firat Arslan, former world champion. 38 and 8 with two draws. It's a 10 rounder at cruiserweights. And in the other corner, Jezim Tahiri, 13 and 2. It's an intriguing fight. Both men, completely different ends of their careers. Firat Arslan should, in theory, get the job done. He's got enough experience here. This guy's 13 and 2. I'm not sure what they're both doing in the same ring. But uh, all the best of luck to both men. And that's it for the Silence Hotel in Istanbul, Turkey. Moving over now to York Hall. This week, this one's on the Saturday. We talked about the bill on the Friday. This one's on the Saturday. Uh, top of the bill over there, Josh Kennedy, 8-0. He's fighting for the vacant English Super Bantamweight title against Michael Ramabeletsa, who has a record of 15-15. and 15. Uh, John O'Donnell's on this bill as well. His record, 31-2. and two. He's fighting for the vacant English welterweight title as well. Uh, Ollie Patterson gets out again. 
Uh, Woody Camacho is fighting for the Southern Area Cruiserweight title, the one that he lost to Isaac Chamberlain, and then Isaac Chamberlain gave the belt up, so he's fighting for the vacant belt here. His record's 16-6. He takes on Carl Wheeler, 14-6, with one draw. It's a 10-rounder, that one. Uh, Woody Camacho, despite losing to... Uh, Isaac Chamberlain in one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. You've got to go on YouTube and watch it. It was crazy to be there. The atmosphere was electric. Uh, I believe he picked up a lot of valuable experience because it was such a great fight. It was one where they both had to dig deep and go into the trenches. And despite losing it, as I say, I think he learned a lot. I think we learned a lot as well watching about Wadi Kamacha. I think he's got a huge heart. So we wish him all the best of luck. Moving over now to the House of Blues in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Gary Spike O'Sullivan on this bill, another friend of the show. We had him on a couple of weeks ago. He's in an eight-rounder at middleweight against Ronald Montez. Montez is a guy who can bang a bit as well, so it should be interesting. Gary Spike O'Sullivan, 23-2. and two. We hope he does the job here. Also on that bill, Mark DeLuca, 17-0. He's taking on Travis Scott, 19-2. That's, that should be a good fight, to be honest. Uh, that's it for the House of Blues. Moving over now to the big one this weekend. It's the final card to mention. It's a monster card. It really, really is. Uh, we're going to start with the undercard. Former world champion Andy Lee, 34-3 with one draw. He's been out of the ring for quite a while now uh, since losing to Billy Joe Saunders. And in this whole time, Billy Joe Saunders has only had the one fight. He's had a few injuries. Andy Lee's back in there. He's an eight-rounder at middleweight. Andy Lee taking on Keandre Leverwood, who has a record of 19-3 and three with one draw. Andy Lee's been expressing that if he wins this fight, he would like to fight the winner of Gennady Golovkin and Danny Jacobs. Um, you know, hopefully he, he wants to fight the winner just to have one more roll of the dice. But to be honest, I don't think... I want to see him jump straight back in there that soon. I don't think it's the right time for him, but we'll have to wait and see. We wish Andy Lee all the best of luck. And also, Ryan Martin's on this build, the blue chip boxer. He's fighting, putting his WBC Continental America's lightweight title on the line against Brian Cruz. Brian Cruz, 17-1. Ryan Martin, 17-0. Both 17 wins. Should be a decent fight. It's a bit of a crossroads fight. Both on the way up. Both seem to be in the same ring here. That one's going to be interesting. Also on that bill, Carlos Quadras, former world champion, 35-1 and with one draw. He's in a 10-rounder at Superflyweight against David Carmona, 20-3 and with five draws. That should be a good fight. Also on the bill, Roman Gonzalez, also known as Chocolatito, 46-0, putting his WBC World Superflyweight title on the line against Wisaxil Wagek. And I've got to be honest, I don't know this, the first thing about him. His record's 41-4, and four, so that's quite impressive. Call me a casual, I don't know. He's got one draw on his record. I just do not know too much about these super flyers. But uh, Roman Gonzalez, we know he's actually top of the list on quite a few guys' pound-for-pound pound list. He's a brilliant, brilliant boxer, really skillful, and he's ever closing in on that 49-0 and 0 mark that... Mayweather left behind. He's already equaled Joe Calzaghe's 46-0, so he's definitely special, and he's on the cusp of becoming one of the sport's greatest fighters, especially in terms of unbeaten records. But that's it for the Chief Support. 
the main event now for the WBA Super World Middleweight title, the WBC World Middleweight title, the IBF World Middleweight title, and the IBO World Middleweight title. All the belts are on the line. It's a 12-rounder at middleweight. Gennady Golovkin, 36-0. Daniel Jacobs, 32-1. What a fight. What a fight. I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. In my opinion, it's the most 50-50 fight that can be made in the middleweight division. Both guys, knockout artists, okay? Both guys, I believe, coming off of 35 knockouts combined in a row. I think Gennady Golovkin's got 23 in a row. I think Daniel Jacobs got 12 in a row. Both men are electric fighters. Both men can get the other one out of there. Both men are known to knock opponents out very, very, very quickly. Gennady Golovkin's a fighter that really... He fights better when he's in against better opponents. He seems to let the lesser opponents get their way a little bit with him. And when he's got to perform and he's got to really focus, that is when we see a masterclass. Danny Jacobs, obviously, you know, he's a brilliant fighter. He can definitely slug it out. He was told, you know, he had cancer. He was told that he can never walk again. He became the world middleweight champion after all the doctors saying that he wouldn't get nowhere after everybody not believing in him he is the miracle man what a fight I has if what i've just said hasn't, hasn't hasn't made any any hairs on the back of your neck stand up then i don't know what will what's your thoughts on the fight i has? i reckon it's a good fight but to be honest i can see golovkin stopping him within seven rounds do you think that um, Danny Jacobs, obviously, we know that he can bang. He can really bang, Ayers, and we cannot overlook that. If he catches uh, Golovkin flush, he could hurt Golovkin. I know we haven't really seen Golovkin hurt at all, but if anybody can hurt him in the middleweight division, it has to be Danny Jacobs. Do you see Danny Jacobs' power playing any part in this fight at all, Ayers? I can't, uh, to be honest, I can't see Golovkin going hurt. The only person that will give him a lot of problems will be Canelo. Yeah, I agree. But I think, to be honest, guys, if anybody can do it, it is the miracle man, Danny Jacobs. It's a fight I cannot wait for. I have to agree with you. I do think that Gennady Golovkin's going to win this fight. We had his promoter on the, the show. Um, I believe it was on the Christmas special. We had Gennady Golovkin's promoter, Tom Loeffler, on. Obviously, the two guys' records, by the way. Gennady Golovkin, 36-0. Daniel Jacobs, 32-1. Danny Jacobs was stopped that one time against the Dmitry Pirog, which was quite a few moons back now. But, you know, he, he absolutely dealt with him, and he knocked him out properly. So, um, I think he's changed. He's come on as a fighter since then. I think Danny Jacobs is a good fighter, you know. I don't think we should write him off. I think it's definitely going to be a close fight. Some people actually believe Danny Jacobs could pull off the upset here. It's just a phenomenal fight, and it's one that I've been looking forward to for such a long time. One thing is for sure, Ayaz, and I'm sure that you're going to agree with me on this. Um, firstly, it's the most 50-50 fight that can be made in the division. Do you believe that? Mm, you could say that, but then again, if Canelo moves up to middle, Canelo's fighting his next fight. Is it middleweight? Well, I think he's actually going over that. I think it's going to be really... 160, in the, yeah, 164. So really uh, like super middleweight. But just out of the actual current middleweight fighters, I think you'd have to say it's the, it's the most 50-50. You'd have to put Danny Jacobs above Billy Joe Saunders at the minute. Um, You could, yes. I reckon that's true, yeah. I'll go and, with that as well. Yeah, and, and we both agree this fight definitely ends in a knockout one way or the other. It's not going 12 rounds, is it? Yeah, uh, no, that's good. This is this is going for a knockout. Yep. 
Yeah, 100%. But that's enough about that fight. It is super, super intriguing. It's a fight that, like I say, I've been looking for twists for so long. If you want to see a fight, and another thing, if you've got friends that maybe don't follow the sport as hard as you do, or friends where you think... Nah, they need to watch a good fight. They need to watch a fight where it's going to be explosive. A fight where somebody's going to get knocked the crap out of. Definitely take this fight. Get them to watch it. Get them to stream it. However you can, get them to watch this fight. Because this is the type of fight that is going to bring casual fans to the table. Because this is a fight where there's no chance about it. There's going to be any sounding of the final bell. Somebody's getting knocked out. And for me, it's going to be Danny Jacobs. But all the best to both men. Both of them incredible fighters, both of them great champions, both great ambassadors for the sport, but may the best man win, and that's all I can say on it. But listen, that's it for part two. We've done the reviewing, we've done the previewing, I has brought in this week's news. The last thing to do before we wrap up the show is to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated beast from Brixton, Mr. Isaac Chamberlain. Isaac, welcome to the show. Hello, mate. How you doing? <laughs> I'm very good, my friend. And if anybody's wondering, we'd never normally call someone a beast after just six fights, but Isaac earned that name in his last fight. If you have not seen it, you've got to check it out. I've said it a few times on this show now. <laughs> now, Isaac, firstly, you're fighting tomorrow night, but we're going to talk about that in a second. It was your birthday the other day. How did that go for you, man? Yeah, it was great. You know, just out with a lot of family... Some family, it feels good because most of the time I don't get to see none of them because I'm always training and then after the training I have to go to sleep and, and begin the day again. So it was kind of good to live a normal life for once, <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. And um, your sponsor gifted you with a nice present on your birthday as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, he's a, his name is Paul Jackson. He gave me a car for my birthday. You know, a nice Sirocco Airline 17 plate, you know. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a very good guy. He really believes in my abilities. And it's not enough in this bo- in boxing to just have the ability. You have to have the heart as well, the determination and the grit to carry on, no matter what. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he was really backing me. He supports me all the way. So, uh, we're just looking forward to the future. Yeah, absolutely. And you showed that heart, grit and determination in your last fight. Definitely, definitely. I'm, I'm not trying to have too many of them, though. So, you know, I just had to tell everyone, I had to show everyone that I, I, I can dig deep when it's time to dig deep. And obviously, you met up with Andre Ward when he was over here in the UK surrounding the yeah. uh, the Chris Eubank Jr. fight. You got talking to him for about half an hour. What did he tell you? I was actually supposed to be with you that day, actually, um, weren't I? Yeah. Um, basically, he was just telling me about how a champion adapts. And, and the road that I'm going on, you know, and people have told him about me and how I watch all his stuff all the time. And he was like, and I was amazed that he knew about me. You know, he was saying, you know, the heart and the determination has to go with it. You know, you've got to be tough as well as mentally tough in this game. And he was telling me all these different types of tricks, you know, that, that I can practice. And it was just an amazing experience listening to someone at that level and his mindset and his focus. And I, and I basically soaked up all of everything he said. Yeah, I remember speaking to him, or well, hearing him talk, I should say. Um, I think it was later that day when I when I saw him at the Fitzroy yeah. Lodge, and it was just it was brilliant. It was brilliant knowledge to uh, to hear what he was saying. He's 
it was it was yeah, truly uh, yeah one of the one of the most inspiring things I've ever heard to be honest. Um, uh, I just wanted to touch on the uh, the training session you did with Ellie Golding. That seemed to come out of nowhere. How was that for you, Isaac? It seemed, um, next thing you know, you're on like uh, Twitter and, and millions of people are following her, and they all see you. And there was loads of comments and likes. So that was really good for yourself. How did that go? Yeah, it was good. Um, she, I didn't even know. That was, I didn't really know who Ellie Golden was. <laughs> so I think she took a shine to that, you know. And uh, I, I thought she was the boxer because she looks really good on the pads, you know. And, uh, and I was like, wow, you know, you're a really good boxer. And then uh, she was like, yeah, I do a bit of singing as well. <laughs> you know, she was like, she does a bit of singing. And she's definitely, she's going to be at the fight tomorrow, you know, cheering me up. So it's, it's all good, you know. Brilliant, man, brilliant. Now, let's talk about your fight. You're fighting tomorrow, as you said, as I said. I'm not yeah. aware of an opponent yet. Do you know who you're going to be fighting? Um, One uh, guy, he's flying in. He's about six foot eight. You know, I think he's had about 17 wins, seven losses. Jesus. So, uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's a good good opponent to, to come back with, you know. But it just it will show the level that I'm at. I'm... You know, a lot of people are saying, because of after this fight, I'm not a prospect anymore, I'm a contender. So I, I need to have that step up in fights now, you know, because the experience is there. Do you know what I mean? The experience is there. Yeah, for sure. And um, is it a 10-rounder, that one, Isaac? Um, I think it's six. six oh, it's rounds. six. Yeah. Okay, okay man. And so just to get back in, get the feel of the shoulder, get, uh, you know, just... Just be, you know, you know how it is. Yeah, of course, man. Just, just how is the shoulder now? Yeah, it's a lot better. I've been taking all my glucosamine. I've been taking all my 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 tablets that I have to take. Been lots and lots of physiotherapy. You know, so I've been I've been doing all the right things. You know, to to make sure it's it's a hundred percent. And now it's even it feels like it's better than before. But obviously, you have those doubts in the back of your head. You know, so like this fight is basically getting rid of those doubts. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, obviously, you know, Eddie Hearn's come out saying that he wants to do quite a few of these next-gen shows. This is the first one he's doing. Obviously, you're on that bill tomorrow. Um, do you see yourself fighting on a few more of these shows? Do you know... I know that, obviously, you know, one fight at a time, it's only a six-rounder. Um, do you know Do you know roughly what the plan is for yourself moving after this fight? Um... Right now, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if you want to do any more of these shows. I honestly don't know. All I know is that, uh, you know, I'm, fight, I'm I'm just looking forward to the fight in front of me. You know, I'm not, I, I can't, like, look too, too much towards the future. You know, I have to take um, steps at a time. All I know is that I've packed the place out. You know, you who is going to be rocking tomorrow. You know, I've got a drummer and trumpets and everything. So a lot, a lot of people are, are coming out tomorrow. It's going to be a real event. Brilliant, man! Brilliant. And also, obviously, um, Lawrence Okoli signed with Matchroom now. His first fight is going to be on the Crawler undercard in um, it, well, next next weekend, basically. And obviously, yeah. he's um, he's taking on a former opponent of yourself, Russ Henshaw, in his first fight. Uh, Russ Henshaw was yeah. your fifth opponent. What do you make of that yeah. fight? How do you see that one going down? Um, yeah, Lawrence will beat him, you know, because obviously, um, basically, I think, before when I fought Russ and Shaw, he was seven wins, no losses, four knockouts, 
beast whipping everyone. After me, he's had all losses. So he basically got up. He, he basically broke it. That wing made that loss basically broke him. And he he said it on Facebook that listen, he's just going to be a journeyman and do it for the money. And I was his last big, you know, signing to the big big stage. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously he was being called off, and obviously they would have obviously spoken to Eddie about signing potentially to be me. So it's just business, to be honest, you know. And obviously they're trying to make a business move, saying if a colleague bangs him out, yeah, he, he banged him out quicker than Isaac did. Blah blah blah, build a fight. I know how the game goes. You know what I mean? I know how it goes. So. I can see what they're gonna do. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it depends on on what type of rough central is out there. You know, if he's uh, if he if he's just gonna go there for the payday, then he's probably gonna get stopped. But you know, we're just gonna have to see. And obviously, I know it's only early. I know that Akoli hasn't even made his debut yet, but a lot of people are liking you two together already. A lot of people are trying to, you know, get the measuring stick out and compare. Is that a fight, Isaac? I know that you're not one to shy away from fights anyway, but is that a fight that you want to have in the future? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a good fight. You know, uh, he makes a lot of noise. It'll be a, very, uh, it'll be a big money fight in the future. You know, definitely. So, uh, what... what as long as you know, you can talk a lot, but what comes down to is, is what happens in in the fight in the in between the ring. That's where it really counts. Forget the talking and all that. You know what I mean? So I'm just I'm just uh, remaining grounded, focusing, working on my foundations, and everyone that they put in front of me, I beat. So and, and it's happened so far. So I'm just gonna keep going on, keep doing it the way I'm doing it. Well said. And uh, last couple of questions now, Isaac. Obviously, Saturday night is a massive, massive card over in the United States. Yeah. Gennady Golovkin against Danny Jacobs. I know that you're an avid boxing fan. I know that you're definitely interested in this fight. How do you see that one playing out? Um, I think that's going to be a good fight. You know, I think Golovkin will probably stop Danny Jacobs. But Danny Jacobs is very explosive. You know, he's extremely explosive. So um, we're just going to have to... We're just going to have to wait and see because this is boxing. Anything can happen. Yeah. But no, definitely a fight that I'm really looking forward to. I've been saying it's probably the best or the closest to 50-50 fight you can make in the middleweight division. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And finally, Isaac, a message to your supporters. I know that a lot of guys have been, well, it seems like a lot of guys have been buying your merchandise lately, the Team Chamberlain T-shirts. I know that you had a great turnout yeah. in the uh, the workout the other week. I just wanted to give you a chance yeah. just to thank everybody, just to give a message to your supporters that may be listening. Um, just just thank you for all the support. It's, it's really, really appreciated, you know, um, it's, it's hard sometimes when when you're boxing because you feel like you're alone, but you guys make it worthwhile. You know, you guys make it worthwhile so I can carry on punching and carry on through the pain, like like the last fight. I carried on through the pain because of the crowd's cheering. You know, I, I said I didn't want to let them down. I, I wanted to, to perform in front of them and give them my all to let them know that, listen, I did it to them. So I just want to say a massive thank you, you know, and, and, I, and I appreciate all the support that, that is getting given to me top man alright listen Isaac it's always a pleasure my friend thank you so much for giving us some of your time the day before your fight and no doubt we'll catch up after the fight yes bro
Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 74 of the Box Hard Podcast. It's been a special one. We brought yet another world champion to your ears. We spoke to Demetrius Andrade from Paris. We spoke to Isaac Chamberlain while driving his brand new car, probably, I don't know, somewhere around Brixton. We've done our bit. If you've listened this far, then you've done your bit too. Thanks for being with us. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and we hope to have you back next week. Until then, take care.